Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Cody Limbaugh. You might feel like you're in a failure state from the time you set a goal to the time you achieve it because your delayed gratification and your thinking that I'll be happy when kind of attitude with your sights on that particular goal. But when you have a small action step every day and that's your win, that's the thing that you're focusing on, then you feel this sense of accomplishment and, and winning on a daily basis that really has dramatic effect on your self-confidence. So hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the personal brand entrepreneur show. My name's Bob Gentle and every week I speak with incredible people who share what makes their business work. Now, if you're new to the show, take a second right now to hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single thing. If you are new, go back. We have lots of interviews to listen to after this and they're all awesome. This week, we're speaking about something that for me is very timely. And I know for lots of people, this is probably when they should start thinking about it. It's goals, goal setting, vision and mindset and all things around that. And this week, my guest is Cody Limba and we're gonna be looking at an alternative perspective on that. So Cody, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So I've been looking forward to speaking to you for quite a while now because at this time of the year, a lot of people start thinking about New Year's resolutions and things like that in December, which is a terrible time to start thinking about it. (laughs) And I'm one of these people every year I make goals for the year and I find that the way I approach it, it's almost like I'm setting myself up for failure. And I've been looking around your stuff and you have a different way of approaching this and achievement in general. So I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. For the guest, for the listener rather, who doesn't know about you and what you do, can you maybe just introduce yourself? Who is Cody Limbaugh? Yes, well, I have been a fitness coach for nearly 20 years at this point. For most of that time, I have owned my own gym and coached hundreds, perhaps thousands of clients. My wife is also a fitness coach and a two-time state weightlifting champion. And together, we own a couple of businesses. The Lyceum is the overarching theme of everything that we do. And that's named after Aristotle's school, the Lyceum. And within that, we also have personal excellence training. And that's our coaching business where we still coach clients, mostly remote at this point, because we moved to a very rural area. But we do have a few people in our community that we still coach just to keep our skills sharp. (laughs) So you had mentioned New Year's resolutions, and that really brings us directly into the topic that we'll be discussing a lot today, which is what I call the Lyceum method. Instead of setting smart goals and New Year's resolutions and type of things, because as a coach, we'd see year after year after year, it's within the industry, within the fitness industry, it's a recognizable pattern and almost expected that the people who join your gym in January won't be there in March. Guilty. And it's it's a conundrum for fitness professionals. And I think a lot of times there's a a great effort to try to engage people and help them have enough fun and enough results that they will somehow magically stick. But I think that the problem actually stems from before they ever enter the gym. And it's because they have a mindset of a dramatic change happening overnight. And what I mean by dramatic change is not necessarily the results, but their 
their habits, their practices, and their lifestyle. And what I've found over the years is that there are some approaches that we can take that are much more effective and much less stressful. I think that a lot of times we set goals and then when we don't follow through on those, it really is a hit to our self-esteem. And eventually we can get into a pattern where we're setting goals over and over again, perhaps failing at those goals, and then learn to expect failure. And that is where I was about 12, 12 years ago or so when I first began to flesh out some of these concepts. So I absolutely identify that. I think anybody that's pushing at the edge of their capabilities and they have big goals and big ambitions, shame is almost a constant companion mm-hmm. because it is normal to miss goals. You, you set high targets, mm-hmm. often expecting to fall short. So what is the alternative? What's a different way of doing this? So with the methods that I've developed, it, it started as a very gradual process even. And you had said something, and I, I don't think I will get the words exactly right, but you said something about not being able to find your path until you start the walk. or so. I forget exactly how you phrased that, but I thought it was brilliant because it's very similar to the methods that I'm developing, which is to move first. In my book, I talk about perhaps uh, firing a gun and the, and the saying is, you know, ready, aim, fire. But I think that we would be better off if we fire first and then see how we did and analyze that data and then re-aim and then, then we're ready. And I think a lot of people spend a lot of time getting ready and ready and ready and trying to predict a future as if it's a linear progression like we experienced the past. And we've been taught this SMART goal paradigm of setting goals that are, that SMART is an acronym for, what do we have here? I usually have this right at the tip of my tongue. It's, I usually know what it is as well. <laughs> a specific, um, here we go. So it's specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and time-bound. And it all sounds very logical and neat and tidy. But I think that most people who are at high levels of success, they have an advantage of hindsight. And anytime we're looking back, we have a way of thinking of the past in a very linear way. We think of the past as, well, I did A, B, and C, and then D, E, and F happened. And so it's a very linear progression. But the future is very messy. We, we can't predict the future in such a linear fashion. So I think the SMART goal paradigm really sets people up for potential failure right from the start. And even if people do hit their goal, one thing I don't like about the SMART goal paradigm is if you set a goal for, say, a year out of a certain financial goal or a certain fitness goal or whatever that may be, I think it's easy to feel like you have not arrived for the entire year. Even if you see progress toward that goal, if you're so fixated on that end result, it can form a habit in our way of thinking of, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when I've lost 30 pounds, or I'll be happy when I make six figures next year or whatever that is. And so even if you do hit the goal, and even if you're on track for it, I think there's a sense of anticipation and failure where you're sort of living a fantasy of the future and you're not being present in your life at the moment. And I think with a lot of mindful practices and there's a lot of 
sort of Eastern philosophy teaching that's very widespread now on social media about being present and being mindful and these types of things. And I think that's in direct opposition to this goal setting paradigm where we're living for a potential future and putting all of our happiness and, and, and resting all in that delayed gratification, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's almost, there is no connection between your identity now and the identity that you're aiming for. It's like it's a different person. And what we need is a method of enjoying the identity that we actually have. And I think this is where something, I mean, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, I think, but. No, actually, vision. I love that you brought that up because I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think that you're right hitting the nail right on the head because the way I phrase it is I've learned over the years that the current me is a pretty bad predictor of what future me is going to want. <laughs> Sometimes I think that I want something and I look back in time and I look at some of the goals that I set in my 20s and I'm very grateful that I did not hit some of those goals <laughs> because they're so misaligned with my current set of values and principles and, and lifestyle choices. So I think you're spot on in the way that you phrase that. And I'm sorry to interrupt, you had mentioned vision. No, no, it's, it's absolutely fine. I think, yeah, well, to come back to vision, I think I often use the analogy of a time machine when we come to talk about vision. If you could teleport yourself in a time machine, I'm mixing my science fiction metaphors, <laughs> but we can jump ahead to Bob or Cody of 5, 10, 15 years. We kind of know what we would like that person to look like, what they'd be experiencing. And then there's us in the present. And at the moment, we're looking at, okay, well, how do we program this time machine? And right now we've got smart goals and it doesn't work. We often end up in random disappointing places or it just fizzles out when we never get anywhere. So what's a more practical way to program this time machine? So the approach that I take is one of daily practice. And if I can take what would normally be a goal and boil that down into a vision of, well, what type of person achieves that goal and focus more on becoming that type of person, then I can begin to practice those habits and those choices on a daily basis. And I have ways of even gamifying that. So I created a, a journal practice actually, and this is nothing revolutionary as far as the individual components of it. This is all familiar things for most people. A gratitude journal, those are you know almost cliche at this point, but there is a tremendous value in waking up first thing in the morning and just jotting down a few things that you're grateful for currently in your life at the moment. And the way that I like to think about this is that a lot of times we think of feelings or attitudes toward things as inherent qualities, something that we're almost born with. It's your disposition. But there are many things that we think of as inherent qualities that are actually skills that can be developed. And so the way I look at this is if you're setting a goal and your whole action process revolves around just achieving that goal, it's very easy to be so future oriented that you're not being very grounded and present and grateful for the things that you have now. But the problem with that is that you're training your brain to be future oriented. And so it's almost like the, that other cliche that tomorrow never comes. And if you feel that you're going to feel satisfied and 
you're going to feel content and you're going to feel happy when you achieve a goal, but you're not practicing that on your way to the goal, then once you get there, I think you're setting yourself up for a hollow victory. So even if you do achieve that goal, and this is also a cliche that we've heard many times of people who have some financial goal, for instance, and then once they finally get there, they're thought, you know, well, it's, it's not what I thought it would be. It doesn't solve my relationship issues and <laughs> it doesn't make me generally happy and I'm out of shape. And, you know, there's all these things that they ignored in the pursuit of that goal. And so I think having a, a gratitude practice is a great first step for not only grounding you in your present and helping you practice being happy now. But when I say practice, I literally mean practicing for the future as well. That once you do achieve the things that you want, that you will already have a sense of gratitude for those things. I think that makes perfect sense. I think what you mentioned about tomorrow never comes, it reminds me of this idea of the perpetual moment. There, there is only now. So why would you in three years be experiencing now any different unless mm -hmm. you change? Right. And I think another thing that sprung to mind when you talked about how a journal is almost a cliche, I think the thing is most of these things that foster change, that foster identity shift in and of themselves, they are cliches. The problem most people have is they have no idea which cliches to pick and how to, how to approach them. Mm -hmm. And Mike Vardy, who has also been on the show, he, he coined the phrase frameworks foster freedom. And I think this is really where you're leading is a, is a, a personal development framework that will yes. provide a degree of freedom to simply follow the path, which I really like. I love that. I love the way that that's phrased and very accurate to what I'm trying to develop here. This, like I said, came on very gradually. I was a chronic goal setter, I would say. I went you know, I started going to leadership seminars and that kind of thing at the age of 15 because I've always thought of myself as an entrepreneur. So I was often involved in sales type positions and I've had some type of business of my own since I was a child. I've always been out there trying to make my own way, so to speak. But the smart goal paradigm I felt like was a recipe for yo-yo results. You've yeah. heard of yo-yo dieting. And I think a lot of what causes that is even if you're successful, you think, well, now I've made it. And so you stop doing the things that got you there. <laughs> and then pretty soon you've, you've not only put on the 20 pounds that you did before, but it may even be harder to get it off the next time because you're sort of training your body to, to not really trust that reset. And uh, so I began to, I, I just sat down one day with a journal and I thought, well, what if I just stop setting goals altogether? <laughs> and it was a very strange thing for me because I've read so many personal development books over the years it seemed almost uh, sacrilege or, or maybe like I was giving up, but I wanted a way to make progress and achieve things, but without that, that framework. And so I began to develop my own. So, so we spoke about a gratitude journal mm -hmm. as, as one practice. Are there other practices that? Yeah. So perhaps I'll give a, an overview and then we can revisit each one yeah. in as much detail as you like. So after gratitude, I spend a few minutes writing out my vision for the future. So now I'm in the present and now thinking of the future. And then the next step is affirmations. And I'd love to get into that a little bit because I'm a very non-woo-woo type of person. <laughs> I, I really like 
really trying to flesh out what's concrete and, and real in the world. And I don't get too woo woo about things, but I take affirmations from a little different approach than you may have heard of before. And then the next step is to write out an action step. And it's the goal or the goal. The idea with the action step is to make it as concise as possible. One small thing that I can do today. And then finally, and I think this is where the process really starts to charge up is in a daily practice. How can I develop my vision and the person that I want to be into a daily practice of some sort. So we can get into each of those in a little more detail. So next up was vision that we didn't cover. And one thing about a vision, and I do have a vision board and my wife and I contribute to that board and I do write it out every morning. But the thing is, is that I think we're taught that a vision should be concrete and almost unchangeable and until you achieve it. And there is something to be said for grit and determination, but I think there's also something to be said for a sense of wonder and allowing an unknowable future to be something that you're curious about and would love to explore. So what I do when I write my vision every morning is it might be different from day to day and certainly from month to month and year to year, it, it evolves and changes. But what that does for me is in that changing vision, I learn about myself and self-knowledge is one of the greatest gifts that we can do for ourselves. And so when I see that vision change over time, or I see recurring themes, then I realize, well, that's what's really important to me. When I write about this thing that keeps coming up over and over and over again, that's, that must be what's most important to me really, because that car that I put in my vision that one time, that, that only popped up a couple times and I forgot about it. <laughs> so, so it really helps to boil things down. And you know why this is really important? I think a lot of people experience their daily life as trying to push things. They're trying to push into the future. They're trying to push towards their goals. But when you really make a daily practice of holding a vision, cultivating that vision as a dynamic living thing, things change and suddenly the future is pulling you towards it. It's a very different thing. It's really hard to describe, but that practice is really difficult to express how powerful that is. Yeah, I think you described it beautifully. Actually, I've never heard it put into those terms, but that's that's what I experience as well. My wife and I have been practicing these types of this uh, this approach for a few years now, and we live a dramatically different lifestyle than we did even five years ago when we first got together and it's, it's a beautiful life and it's exciting to see where it's going to go next. But I do feel sort of a pull toward that vision. So yeah, I love the way that you put that. And I think as well, a lot of people are probably wondering, Hey, this is the personal brand entrepreneurship. Why, why are we talking about this stuff? Mm-hmm. And I've said it so many times that a lot of people experience their business as static. They never really quite grow the way they would like. And it all comes down to you. Your business will grow when you grow. And this is why this stuff matters. And with personal brand, personal brand and personal growth, they go hand in hand, which just to remind everybody, this is why we're talking about this. Sorry to interrupt. We were talking affirmations next. Yes. So in affirmations, actually, I just want to say one other thing to the point that you just mentioned, which is I read this book, uh, some people may be familiar with called Big Magic by no, Elizabeth 
Elizabeth Gilbert. She writes in that book about the artist's process. And I am somewhat of an artist myself. I One of my first businesses as a teenager was selling my drawings and some cartoon work for local businesses. <laughs> and one thing she describes in there in the artist process is that when you begin an artistic endeavor, the artist often has a very clear vision of what they want to produce before they ever pick up a pencil or a paintbrush or a piece of clay. But the moment that that pencil touches the paper, things begin to turn out differently than what you had in your mind. And when I was a kid, I always thought of myself as, well, I'm just not a good enough artist because I'm not producing the exact thing that I had in my mind. And the reality is, is that it's a relationship between you and the art. And so the art sort of takes on a life of its own. And when I finally learned how to just go ahead and finish the piece of art, because a lot of times I would stop, I'm like, this isn't what I planned and it's going a different direction. So I would stop in frustration. And when I learned to go ahead and finish the art piece, it would often come out better than what I had anticipated, or at least something that I could be proud of. And so I think that going into things with a, a sense of wonder and curiosity can be a wonderful gift to yourself to not only have less stress, but to perhaps even end up somewhere better than what you could have envisioned to begin with. I have had to make a note to spend a little bit of time with that idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so affirmations, you know, I mentioned that I'm not a real woo-woo type of person, and I think affirmations are often described in, in almost a tongue-in-cheek sort of funny way that people are trying to manifest things through magic or something like that. But the way that I write affirmations is very specific. They're a vision for what I want myself to be like in the future, but written in a present tense and yeah. as emotionally charged as possible. And with those components, what I am attempting to do is really program my mind and there actually is a lot of hard science behind this type of thinking where athletes will envision a successful performance before the performance and they're likely to do better than those athletes who do not envision these types of things so there is a powerful mechanism where you can practice in your mind and improve your physical results in the real world so when I approach affirmations, I'm really trying to approach it from a personal standpoint of the qualities that I would like to see in myself. If I have a vision for the future that requires something more of me than I'm currently displaying, then these affirmations are an opportunity for me to sort of practice doing them and living them out in my mind for a moment every morning as I journal. That's really interesting. I think one of the things that I've read about affirmations, and it's, it's, it's true in lots of different areas, but there's only 5% of what our brain is doing for us is conscious. The other 95% is unconscious. And it's the unconscious job to get us where we need to be. It, it does most of the stuff for us. Mm -hmm. And yet we leave its programming down to experience, which is a very poor teacher. So reprogramming that can be a very powerful thing. Affirmations, as you've described, they are a method of reprogramming the unconscious, probably the most important part of our human makeup. So mm -hmm. I'm on board with you. They're not woo at all. They're efficient neuroscience. This is programming. Mm 
it's reprogramming the software that runs our day. Yes. Yeah, I really think so. And from experience of doing this method for several years, seeing change in myself has been very gratifying. It's hard to express the frustration that I went through as a young man. I, as I said before, have always been an entrepreneurial minded person, but I would set goals and I would fail and set goals and fail. And it became such a pattern that it becomes internalized that I feel like I was always behind. I was never quite where I should be, whatever should is, (laughs) you know, these expectations that we put on ourselves. And with this method and the gratitude, vision, and affirmation, it's really set myself up for being able to implement small changes on a daily basis that has produced amazing results in a matter of years. You know, since then I've written and published a book. We've moved out of the city and into rural area, and we're developing a business now that is affording us a lot of time freedom. And my wife and I have a tremendous relationship. It's my life today looks dramatically different than six years ago. And for most of my life, I'm, I'm almost 50 now. And for most of my life, I would say that those type of dramatic changes were never, they were never intentional and in a positive direction. Any dramatic changes were usually just accidental things that seemed to happen to me. <laughs> and then in meanwhile, I was frustrated over the things that I was trying so hard to change about myself. I think that's such an important thing for people to hear because you and I are a similar age. I think I might be very marginally older than you, <laughs> but I meet a lot of people our age and they just think they're done, that mm. they've got what they've got, that nothing, nothing, nothing more is coming now. That's it. It's just the slow decline. But what I'm seeing actually is there is an, an undercurrent of people who actually do only start achieving really exciting things. They discover who they are actually quite late in life. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly there's a dramatic change. And what you're offering here is a catalyst to that. It's really quite exciting. Yeah. It's funny in the the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the the meaning of life is 42. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) And it's funny to me because when I was, I think I was about 42 and I sort of felt like I woke up and realized things about myself and and finally began to develop a sense of confidence that I had been lacking in my 20s and 30s. So, yeah, I feel like I'm just getting started now. For people listening, they probably took notes at the beginning and they realized there was gratitude, vision, affirmation, and then we still have action steps. So yes. let's not disappoint people. Absolutely. And action is really, if there is any such thing as magic in this process, it's absolutely action. I found when I was in a more traditional goal setting paradigm that I could actually use goals as a method of procrastination. (laughs) If you set a goal out in the future and map out a plan of how to get there, oftentimes just the act of doing that, it's almost like you have a chemical hit in your brain that you've actually done something, but really all you've done is you've sat down with a piece of paper and, and wrote some things down. <laughs> it's, you haven't really done anything. And I think that for much of my life, I could use that as an excuse of procrastination because if I put the goal out far enough, then one particular day really isn't going to make or break that. And that is actually true, but unfortunately that's a pattern that you can develop for yourself 
to really set yourself up for failure. So with the Lyceum method, every day in my journal, I write down one action I'm going to take today that will get me any degree closer to my vision. And the hope for this action step is that it is actually small enough that I can hardly make an excuse not to do it. And I think setting the bar very low is important because I know for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone, I'm a, a bit of a chronic list maker. I enjoy writing to-do lists and things, but I grossly underestimate the amount of time and energy it might take me to get certain things done. And I'm very good at blocking a calendar full of to-dos and then not really taking into account the energy levels that I might have on that particular day or the particular time of day. And so then again, it, it sets me up for this cycle of feeling like a failure. So with the action step, I want to set the bar so low that I almost trip over it. You know, I just can't help but take this one action today that's going to get me just marginally closer to my vision. The analogy that I love for this is, you know, if you're in two ships that are sailing next to each other in the ocean and one of them is just one degree off on its bearing, then in a few days, you know, they'll be miles and miles and miles apart even though they look like they were traveling parallel. And that one degree of change over a period of time can really have dramatic results. And so that's the, the vision that I have for taking this action is just to give it the, the smallest effective dose that I can possibly come up with. I love that. And as you were talking, I'm looking at everything I've been doing for the last week and thinking, oh God, <laughs> it's, it's such a simple method. And that, that's why I really like it. I think the problem with a lot of what I'm going to call productivity methods, because essentially this is what it is. It's just coming at it from a very different direction. It's so simple. The problem is a lot of them are very complex. If I remember, you'll, you'll have read the Dave Allen's getting things done and things like that. Yes. Nobody can remember that. Obviously <laughs> it's actually not that complex, but what I described earlier on is instead of trying to push your life uphill it's jumping into the future and whispering to yourself to urge you forwards a little bit. It's it's a very different. It, it yeah, you've used the phrase magic a few times, but it is essentially magic. I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it feels like it, and I think that there's something to be said for avoiding overwhelm. Uh, it's not that I'm against hard work or ambition, but when you set the bar really low for a single action, it also helps to trigger your brain to prioritize that thing. It's like, it's, it's boiled down to a very essential step and having a priority step like that, that can be a quick victory for you does wonders for your attitude in the rest of the day. And it may even energize you to be able to do more than what you had planned, but you've always got that minimum viable action that you can be proud of that you've took, taken that particular day. Yeah. And, I'm reminded of a story I recently heard on another podcast, and I apologize that I can't reference the specific names, but it has to do with the story of two teams that were trying to reach the Antarctica, and and they have both said it was a race, basically, to see who could get there the first. And, and in one team, they did as much as they could every day, and the other team broke it up into very small, even steps, something very doable that they knew they could do even on their worst day. So it was 
you know, 20 miles or something like that every single day. And on the last several days, they had a conundrum because the weather was nice, their energy was up. And if they really pushed, they could have made it in one single day to the finish line. And they had no idea where the other team was, but they stuck to their method of only doing 20 miles a day and arrived three days later. And it turns out that they beat the other team by something quite dramatic, like a month or something like that. <laughs> and it's sort of like the turtle in the hair, I guess. But there's something to be said for managing your energy and finding a quick win and small wins that really stack up over time. And it's almost the opposite of what I described before, where you might feel like you're in a failure state from the time you set a goal to the time you achieve it because your delayed gratification and your thinking that I'll be happy when kind of attitude with your sights on that particular goal. But when you have a small action step every day and that's your win, that's the thing that you're focusing on, then you feel this sense of accomplishment and, and winning on a daily basis that really has dramatic effect on your self-confidence. So one thing we've spoken about daily practices and journaling, vision, affirmations, and setting the one thing you're going to do that day, which indicates that there may be a morning routine because doing this in the evening is probably not the most productive. So how does a daily routine work for you? Yeah, I'm a big believer in a morning routine. And again, as someone who in my younger years was just a chronic procrastinator, it really helps me get that quick win for the day that sets my attitude. And so when I wake up in the morning, I do have quite a routine. And I also, it's funny because I'm a bit of a person who's averse to routine in general. I, I really am a neophyte. I, I love learning things and exploring new things. I'm, I have many, many eclectic interests. And so structure is something that I've tended to avoid most of my life. But the exception to that is in the morning routine, because if I want to be fit, then I know I need to work out and I need to have some intentional movement daily. And when I do those kind of things in the morning, it's not a matter of having, it's almost like uh, it doesn't require as much discipline as later in the day when I'm tired and I would rather just take off the rest of the evening and having to force myself to go down to the gym is, is a big hurdle to overcome. But when it's sort of on autopilot in the morning as part of a routine of just something that I do, then I get the victory of having done it and that sense of accomplishment, but the amount of discipline that it takes to do it is far, far less than it would to try to schedule it in later in the day. Yeah. So yeah, so that morning routine for me is, I drink some mushroom coffee first thing so that I'm keeping caffeine low first thing in the morning and get a little bit of salt water in. And I do this journaling practice and ideally a meditation or breath work. Lately, I've been working a job with some demanding hours. So I often have to choose which of these things that I have to do. But then I'll go downstairs to my gym and work out and then I've accomplished some very important things before I start my day by doing that routine. So again, very, very simple, but consistent. That's the power. Yeah. And, and consistency is really what I lacked when I was in that sort of chronic goal setting phase of my life. Because if, if a goal 
timeline and it's really the timeline and the specific outcomes. Those are the two things that really tripped me up a lot. And it's the thing that Buddhism warns us against, right? The, this attachment to outcomes is a source of misery. And, and then we're taught that setting specific goals with a timeline will somehow make us happy. It's, it's really the antithesis of that philosophy. And, and it really was the case for me because I was inconsistent in that I would set goals. And if I saw that timeline approaching and I didn't feel that I was going to succeed, then I would scrap that goal and set a new goal. And so it ended up in this sort of inconsistent, jittery life where I would sprint and then get discouraged and then sprint and get discouraged. And when I started to develop these practices, the consistency has been, I, well, easier. I mean, I, it's funny to use that word because I think we're really in a hustle culture where hard work is, is propped up as a, a real ethical stance, you know, and people talk about it or work ethic, but I think it's important that we can have a rest ethic as well <laughs> and have some yeah. balance in our life. And with this method, I find these small chunks adding up over time to get me where I want to go, but with a lot less stress and it's not a fight, you know, it's not a fight. It's just the way I live. Yeah. I think a lot of people would sort of judge that you're not a real business owner unless you've at least burnt out once. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> and the truth is it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be hustle all the time. It's slow and steady wins the race if you're consistent and you're not pushing against the world. The world will rise up to meet you, I think, with this kind of approach. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a much more humane and human way to approach personal yeah. productivity and achievement. Absolutely. You took the words right out of my mouth. I've often criticized this idea in the gym community, in the fitness community. A lot of times it's a compliment if somebody says, man, you're a machine. And I think, I don't, I don't think I want to be a machine. I'm, <laughs> I'm tired of the idea that we should be so structured and, and productive and that that is some sort of ethical stance that I, I enjoy sort of the organic process of being a human. And so I think that that's part of my motivation in developing these processes. The final step in this and what really sums it all up is to try to develop a daily practice around your vision. So not only am I trying to take a singular action each day that I had journaled about, but also a gamified version of some type of practice that's going to get me closer to where I want to go. So I often use something like learning an instrument for simplicity's sake in illustrating this, that a daily short practice of 10 minutes a day on a timer will do amazing things rather than say, well, I'm going to practice on the weekends or setting a specific goal of, I want to learn a certain song by a certain date. And by setting up a small daily practice that is so small that it's, again, difficult to make an excuse not to do it. You know, most people can find five or 10 minutes to implement something like this. And it's really amazing how the progress stacks up on itself. And I think there's a lot of neuroscience to, to support this as well, because a small daily practice is being integrated in a different way than, say, a long slog on the weekend. Whereas the daily practice is integrated as you sleep each night and a small practice will ensure that you're not getting to a point of frustration in your practice. And it's 
avoiding procrastination because it's such a small task. And by setting a timer, it almost lets you off the hook, like, well, I know it's only going to be 10 minutes as soon as that bell goes off on that certain days, because no matter what it is, no matter how bad we want to do something, there are some days you just don't feel like doing it. And when you know that there's a timer involved, it's, it's almost like it triggers something in you like, well, all I have to do is pick up this guitar and keep playing until that bell rings and then I'm off the hook <laughs> and I've done it and I'm victorious for today. And so it's the consistency that you were speaking of before that it is a result of this small timed daily practice. I really like that because it, it also anchors it that if you know you're timing it, it's, it's sort of become, it's been noted in the world. I think mm-hmm. it would be the, the way I would put it. It's a difficult thing to express. So I really enjoyed this. I know I'm going to be implementing some of this. Hopefully people listening have got something out of this. And if people are listening and thinking, you know what, that Cody Limbaugh, I want to go further with him. I really liked what he was saying. How can people connect with you and how can they go further with you? Yeah. You know, the way I look at this is just reframing of some familiar things. And sometimes just reframing things can have dramatic results for people. So if they've been frustrated with their achievement and and progress so far, I would love to connect. And we have several ways of doing that. My wife and I have a website called Live All Your Life. So liveallyourlife.com will take you to just about everything. But since you're listening to this on a podcast, the fastest way to find us would just be while you're listening to me right now, just to go ahead and search for the Lyceum Network. And the Lyceum is spelled L-Y-C-E-U-M. And the Lyceum Network is our podcast where we discuss, right now we have several series, uh, The Philosophy of Fitness. And my book that I had mentioned earlier called Stop Setting Goals and Learn the Lyceum Method, I'm actually reading that book for free as part of the podcast. So people don't even have to purchase the book if they don't want. They can just listen to the podcast and we'll get that book along with some new commentary on it. So yeah, lots of ways to get involved there. So Cody, my last question is, what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? Well, I... You know, I hate to be a one note guest and just keep repeating <laughs> the same thing, but I'm just going to say, you know, uh, I, it's not necessarily five years ago. It's more like seven or eight, but most of my life I've just been plagued with inconsistency and a lot of self image issues that arose out of that. And so the one thing that I wish I had implemented earlier in life is to learn some of the methods that I've talked about here that has brought consistency in effort. To my life that has produced the types of changes that I always wanted and now I'm living it out and it feels great so yeah that that slow consistent effort is something I wish I had picked up a lot sooner <laughs> well Cody you've been an awesome guest I've learned so much and when I'm learning hopefully the audience is learning so thank you very much for your time and I can't wait to meet you at some point for now thank you very much yeah it's been a privilege and a lot of fun appreciate it a lot